that they won't be saved because like I said the title of the teaching is teaching on belief, faith and trusting God Deacon I'm just kind of going back over it and this is coming from the 17th chapter of Isaiah but I'm referring to the 7th chapter of Isaiah when he was talking to Ahaz about believing and trusting in God and I would tell them that belief in the New Testament, believe and trust, we kind of saying it's almost synonymous with faith. But if you look at believe and faith, it's actually a you you do do what you believe in. You you there's actions that follow belief. Just like with faith, there's actions that follow faith. Faith without works is dead. So there's things you have to do. And I was telling them about in the book of James where it says even the devils believe and tremble. But that doesn't mean that they're worthy or that they will be saved. Because even though that they seen that Jesus was casting them out. Say, or are you coming to cast us out before the time? Well, they knew who Jesus was. And they believed he was the son of God. But their works was opposite than that. In other words, along with belief and faith also has to be obedience to God. Obedience goes along with that. Ahaz, he pretended just like a lot of people in religion nowadays believed in God so much or whatever, but their works are contrary to to faith or the doctrine of faith of believing in God. Uh, Matthew 9 and 8, uh, it says, But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Uh, Jesus had went in and he healed Jairus' daughter. And you remember the little girl that was sick? And Jesus had put the people out that were in there. uh, And they seen Jesus working these marvelous works or whatever. But the people were glorifying God. They glorified God and they were filled with fear. And they was kind of confounded and dumbfounded to see these works happening but that didn't give them a faith that didn't bring them to conversion miracles and physical proof do not instill faith in a person just like when the people coming out of Egypt saw all of the works that Moses had did all of the miracles and everything they still didn't believe God that didn't constitute having faith in God and Jesus said, adulterous generation looking for a sign. So just because you see signs and wonders or you do things, uh, take illustration with your kids and everything, because all of the works and things you've done for them all through their lives and everything, they still don't believe you love them or whatever. They say, well, you don't love me or this and that, that they think differently, even though all of the sacrifices and things you've made for them or whatever. Faith is not produced through sight, not through seeing. God has to instill the seed of faith in a person. God must call a person opening his mind to his truth. Without God opening your mind and causing you to believe, planting that seed of faith, uh, you can't begin to believe. And that's why a lot of people have the nice churches and they have all kinds of spectacular crowds and sensationalism and song and they even have the pyrotechnic show or whatever. But what we have is a church full of unconverted people. These people are not converted with the fear of God. They don't have the fear of God in them and they don't follow God. They, uh, Jesus said that the multitude why was the multitude following after him? You remember Peter said that they were looking for him? He said the multitude was looking for him. And he said the only reason that they were looking for him was why? Because he fed them and he healed them. So people will follow you or do a lot of things or give obedience to you long as you're doing something for them. You know, a husband or a wife could be married for years and years. That don't mean they love one another just because they may do husband or wife duties or obligation. 
the matter of caring and trusting in one another and having faith in them is a whole different matter. So the actions, you know, people uh, a lot of time put a lot of money and stuff into their children or whatever, but the children can't actually feel or see the love because why? Buying them cars, buying people stuff or whatever, that still doesn't mean that you love them or whatever. Those things that don't translate into loving. But with God's economy, it's a whole thing in believing and trusting in God. Believing and trusting in God is actually doing the Word of God. Not just hearers of the Word of God, but actually of turning away from self and doing what God had told you to do. So Ahaz didn't turn to God. We have to abandon our ways. The book of Hebrews, 4th chapter, 1st through the 2nd verse says, Therefore, while the promise of entering into his rest still remains and is freely offered today, let us fear in any case, in case any one of you may seem to come short of reaching it, or think he has come too late. For indeed, we have had the good news of the salvation preached to us, just as the Israelites also when the good news of the promised land came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit or profit them, because it was not united with faith in God, or faith by, in God by those who heard it. So, as you're hearing the gospel, as you're hearing the word of God, if you don't start doing it and acting upon it and obeying it, if you don't, repentance, hearing the word of God causes you to repent. If you notice in the book of Acts, when they heard Peter preaching and everything, that they was convicted and what they were doing and what they had did. They say, what must we do to be saved? And in Acts 2.38, Peter says, repent. In other words, turn around away from what you're doing and be baptized, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, buried to the old way, died to the old man, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In other words, you'll receive God's enabling spirit that enables you to follow God, to grow in the grace and knowledge and understanding of God. And by doing the truth, walking in the truth, continuing in his word, then you'll know that the doctrine of the teaching is from God, and you grow stronger and stronger in it. So the reason a lot of people in the church, you don't see any church growth or anything from them, a spiritual growth from them, they just come in and hear the word. They go home, they hear the word, their life goes on as is, but they're not pulling off the old man. They're not dying to self. They're not turning away from their old way of life. They're no more reading more scripture now than they, they was 10 years ago. They know no more praying and talking with God and meditating in God's word because they're not what they've heard. They're not doing that. They're not believing in what God says. And the only way you can live is by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So you must be hearing the gospel. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's a continual hearing the word of God. But it's assorted doctrines. It's assorted teachings. That's why he gave the church the fivefold ministry for the edifying of the saints. For the equipping of the saints. So as we teaching, it's some people still angry and resentful and evil and mad as bulldogs. Well, God resisted those people because they're not trying to die to themselves. He gives you the power to resist that. He gives you the power to overcome that. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be something that just comes in overnight. But you have to start doing everything that God's words say do. This is a fight. But that unbelief, like the people died from unbelief. Unbelief moves around in a church. Other people can cause you to have unbelief. They can talk it out of But when you hear a sermon, when you feel these things in you, start doing them and be attentive and watch yourself. You have to keep examining yourself, meditating on God's word, and actually believe in God that you can overcome these things. 
we actually do what we believe. If you don't believe something, you're not going to do it. We do what we believe. The real problem is becoming apparent then. The reason the Hebrews was apathetic, the reason why they were neglecting their spiritual priorities, was that their belief system had gone a serious change since the time that they had first heard it. So they had started hearing other teaching, people that were teaching the gospel, people that were saying what God had said, just like intermingling now with people that go to other churches, that hearing a wide variety of the word of God. Those different doctrines and the teachings, you may be violating God because their instruction is not correct. You're hearing too many voices. You believing in God, but a different way. And that's what a lot of people say. Well, there are many different ways to God. I beg the difference. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So you have to come his way, and you have to decide who you're going to hear. You have to decide whether that person is telling the truth or not. Whether he's on the right road or the wrong road. My son had called me today, and that's what me and him was talking about. He was t- we were talking about the election or something. But people that you know, no matter how close to you or what the thing is, Jesus said, whether it's your mother, father, sister, brother, anybody you must hate. In other words, the ability to say, well, no, you're wrong. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to follow that. That's where he brings a division at because... If you have faith in God's talking to you, sometime it might cause you to turn against someone that's very close to you. And they go appeal, well, I'm your husband, you don't believe me, I'm your wife, you'll be other children, other parents, or whatever. No. So with fear and trembling work out your own salvation, you may have to stand alone. They may not like you. You'll, a lot of times you lose your family, you lose your spouses. A lot of the apostles lost their families. Jesus' brothers and sisters didn't believe in him while he was alive. They didn't believe that he was the son of God. See, because now you're talking spiritual things. You're talking in a spiritual dimension. And how can they be spiritual? They're going to want to keep pulling you down to their physical, unbelieving level. Unbelief is contagious. Uh when Satan wants to divide or destroy a church, he often does so through inspiring changes in doctrines. When the doctrines change, the belief system changes. So now you're not believing, that, oh, you don't have to do all that to follow God. You don't have to follow him that closely. They're going to start causing slackness in you. And you have to find out, well, look, am I deviating from the word of God? That's why the book of Hebrews was written. I think Apollos wrote it. They don't know who wrote that. A lot of people say Paul, but that first two verses lead me to believe Paul didn't write Hebrews. It was to people that was drifting. They were coming away from Christianity, and that's what happened with why he was destroying Judah, because Ahaz and the people, just like the United States today, have drifted away from God. Even though they believe that Jesus is... Jesus saved them and died for them, they've drifted away. Notice most of your children or most people don't really belong to a church. They're not really fully behind a belief system at their church. And the thing about it, we're too syncretistic. In other words, we too we love like Facebook and social media. In other words, we polite to everybody or whatever, but every religion is not right. Every church, even though it's in that same denomination, may not be right. You have to be careful what you hear and who you're hearing, or you'll become dull of hearing. You'll get off the pathway. When a belief changes, a change in conduct must follow. This is what happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. They did not believe God. And they fell. They all died. All of their carcasses dropped in the wilderness. Even though they seen him divide the Red Sea. Even though the water, the rock that had followed them was Christ or whatever. Their faith was wandering. And that's why sometimes you have to tell people where to get on and where to get off at. You have to work out your own salvation. You have to get people away from around you with a weak faith. Unbelief is contagious. 
you can't catch holiness, but you can't catch unbelief. Other people will cause you to start doubting and everything. Matthew 9.25, I don't know if I did read that, and it says, But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. That was when the daughter was dead. You remember I told you he healed this little girl, but he only took the parents in there with him, and the, the, the two, two apostles, Peter, who it was, the three other apostles, Peter, James, and John. But he didn't want a sideshow. That's why when you hear people talking, come on down, there's going to be healing of the sick and the lame will walk and this, all this. No, Jesus didn't do sideshows. He didn't want the word of God to be a spectacle. And he didn't want to cast his, his pearls before swine. So we have to look at that we're not trying to prove God to people. That's one thing that's impossible. God don't ask you to prove God to anyone. You have to walk by faith. So Jesus expels all but the girl's parent, clearing the room of all of these people. Just It's just like a car wreck or something. You know, they say people rubbernecking, always wanting to see things. That's why they go to television. They always, and that's why most of the pictures now are horror movies, because people are inclined, they have this tendency to see to see awkward or evil or wretched things. That's why the movies have to get more and more horrible. More and more thing. That's why I say, like I said, and I was preaching about that the other day and I went right there at home and they had a movie on about this woman that had killed this guy or whatever. And tried. But in other words, that's what the people, that's the way society is, but it made them cold-hearted, hard-hearted. That's why families... The devil is attacking families, and you can't hold the family together like that. And that's why I say, he says he had come to divide families, so you have to see these divisions. Ronald Jackson. Within your own family, within your own family, and you have to do these things and work this way that just like he know I, I'm at Bible study now or whatever. So sometimes not wanting to do it or whatever, but they're not conscientious of you all the time, but you have to be conscientious and aware of what you're doing or what's going on with you. So he didn't want everybody around there. Everybody wasn't going to believe. So when people had those doubting minds and like doubting Thomas, unless they see with their eyes, they won't believe or whatever, you have to keep them away from around you. You have to keep people... You can feel people that's hopeful or have faith or whatever. Just by their words and actions, you can feel. That's why in a few towns, even in his hometown, it says he couldn't do much works there because of the lack of people's faith. See, because he wasn't there just to be healing people. That's why when people say, well, why you don't heal everybody in the hospital? Okay, well, what purpose did God heal them for? They wasn't going to be safe. So he healed them to go out and rob and prostitute, do all what they supposed to be doing, what they still doing. When he worked or work, he required repentance. When the adulterous woman, when they brought the adulterous woman to him, and he says, your sin's forgiven you, go thine way. He says, but sin no more. He didn't say, okay, well, you know, next time you get called the adulterer, call me, I'll be here. No, he says, sin no more. He said, unless a worse thing happened to you. Now you know this wrong. Don't keep on doing it. He didn't save us. He didn't come to save us in our sin. He came to save us from our sin. And you have to believe that you can live that type life in Christ Jesus. Now the old man, the dead man, those things that Christ, you dying daily. So you're not free from sin. And a lot of women or men or church people in this nation is caught up in it. They better than the next person. You can notice it in most spouses that think they better than other person. Or you better than other people that you don't have to try it at all. They have that Laodicean spirit. I'm not so bad. So they're not studying the word of God. They think that they can coast. That they don't have to pray all during the day. They don't have to meditate on the word of God. They're going backwards. They like to... Hebrew church, they're drifting away and don't know how far you've drifted away. 
See, you can drift far away from God, and before you realize it, you lost, and now you bringing, trying to bring others to lostness. That's why the spirit that's prevalent in this nation now, it has to be destroyed. The nation has to fall because of that apostasy of the church. Uh, Luke 22, 52, and 3 it says when uh, this is the healing uh, when Jesus was before the high priest they came to get him and he says then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and elders of the Sanhedrin who had come out against him have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber day after day I was with you in the temple and you did not lay hands on me but this hour and the power and authority of darkness is yours in other words just like I said, this nation has been turned over to wickedness. And you can see there'll never be a trust in the government anymore, I don't think. Especially as long as this guy's in there. Probably he may win. It's indicated he may win in November and not leave office in November. But as we've been saying, it's time for the nation to fall because the majority of the people are like him. It shouldn't be this hard to get somebody out there that's like that if everybody's not like that. That means everybody else must be mostly like that. Because God says only the remnant would be saved. Only a remnant. So we see that the nation is gone. But these religious leaders knew Jesus hadn't did anything evil. That he only went around doing good. But what it was doing is just like the people now that's following him. It's just like your family or anybody else. When they see you are honest and hard working and everything, they could do all they can to ride you, and you will feel the animosity. You will feel the competitiveness against you. You that spirit won't unite with your spirit because it's not a familiar spirit. In other words, that's where the division is. And if you try to compromise with that so that you can get along better and tolerate, then you will start slipping. But sometimes that's why things are meant. That's why death is meant. That's why divorces is meant. That's why life as it is is meant the way it is. It's because you have to work out your own salvation because... The first thing happened five or ten years down the road, and you go back and say, well, all this didn't happen because I listened to you. I was trying to help you. Well, ain't nobody told you to do it. You should have did what you wanted to do or whatever. That's the first thing they're going to do. They ain't going to say, well, all this, I'm sorry, you got, I got you in this trouble. I did. No, you should have listened to me. What you listened to me yeah. for? What you following me for? So you had better follow God when, when God's... God, you better choose God because if you don't choose God, if you choose that spouse, if you choose those children, that's your idol of God. You have put them before God. You didn't actually believe God, and he's going to have no other gods before him. So that's the, the, the tragic situation was this nation would rather choose this type person. You remember the people says, give us Barabbas? They would rather choose immorality. They would rather choose lying and deception than other, other things that's virtuous. It's a character problem. It's an attitude problem. It's a lack of belief in God. So it's an apostate church. It's an apostate church. Plus it's people that know of God and have a zeal for God but have no knowledge of working with God. So Christians are today, they can pray, they can use the word of God, but still they don't have the fear or reverence of God. All the time while naming the name of God or in the pulpit or doing whatever, they're thinking in their minds a way to destroy or ravage you or do wrong. This guy had said that he wasn't going to ask God. God had asked him to ask for any kind of sign that he would, and he would give him that sign. And he said he wasn't going to tempt God by asking God for a sign or whatever. But yet and still, he was fighting with this group, and he went to Damascus, and he saw the altar that the king had there. He loved that the altar, he's sitting back and told the people in Jerusalem to build an altar just like that altar. 
So he was bowing down to an altar that God had says no pagan altars. He had chose to use God's altar for a different reason. Some of us go to churches and hear different preachers and teachers and things. And we say, well, we still go to our church, but we go... Most of the time they're listening at what's going on with this other preacher. And they're trying to seriously spread that gospel. Because like I say, unbelief is contagious. You can catch unbelief. You can be overran by uh, uh, unbelief. And the abandonment of belief. That's what it happened. God says in that 17th, in that 17th chapter of Isaiah that they had forgotten God. And, and that... He was going to treat them, and the ones that he was going to save, he was going to send them through much, so much trial and tribulation and trouble that they were going to turn from their idols. But to the others, he says, he's going to show what happens to a people that abandon their God. You remember in the book of Hosea where he says, Ephraim is joined to his idols, leave him alone. Sometime you have to leave your children alone. You have to leave your spouse alone. You have to leave your relatives and friends alone. You just have to let people go their way. And you still teach or preach the word of God or live for the word of God. But you can't be involved in the strife that goes along with trying to compromise with other people. The abandonment of belief. John the seventh. 6th chapter, the 41st to the 42nd verse says, The Jews then murmured at him because he had said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the Son of God, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? You remember he says, He was the bread, he had came down from heaven? Well, you remember, I have this in here where it says familiarity breeds contempt. That's why I, I, don't, I try not to get too close to any of my church people. Close, but not in a relationship. It's just like with a husband and wife, or brothers and sisters. And that was the problem with Jesus and his brothers and things. They didn't believe in him. In the book of uh, John... The seventh chapter and the fifth verse says, For neither did his brethren believe in him. You got a mother born, that's your daddy, and that's just my mama. They didn't believe he was the Son of God. See, there was a spiritual aspect. They seen the physical, but they didn't understand the spiritual. And those people say, Well, we know your parents, we know your family, or whatever. So, they say, how can he say he came down from, from heaven? Uh, their emotions have reached the pitch of being dissatisfied and not a grumbling. Now you say, you, the son of God, you came down from heaven. They are saying to each other, we have known this guy from childhood. How does he expect us to believe him? They are not taking him, his word, and believing what he's saying because we know it. And that's just like people now. Uh, you know, I, when I was came in there, I was telling my mother one time, they gave my brother my word or whatever. I was trying to establish word. And she said, what word? You don't have a word or whatever. It's because she had knew me. She had gave birth to me. But it's a lot she didn't know about me. It's a lot your spouse may know of you. But you have to realize you might not know that person as well as you think you know that's what Clarence, I remember, what is that, Herman Cain's wife said, you don't know Herman as well as you think you know him. So, there may be a conversion when you could begin to be converted. When God's converting you, you're a new creation. You're trying to live a different life. You're trying to live for God. It could be your wife. It could be your husband. Your children and your mama and daddy and your relatives, brothers and sisters say, well, no, you just like us and everything. And they're not going to respect you. That's why I say a prophet is not with honor in his own home, his own town or whatever. Because people treat outsiders better than they treat the people that they know. Let somebody know you, they'll try to walk over you. That's why they don't allow husbands and wives on most jobs or whatever because, no, she's not going to listen to her husband. He's not going to listen to his wife. 
That's why, I, you know, that's why I say sometimes with Brother Hubbard. Brother Dent was like that a lot of times. He said, well, Pastor, and it's because you you need that bridge of respect. Okay, we trying to thread a, a hard line here. I grew up with you. But I'm saying, and you you have said it many a time, I'm not the same person you grew up with, though. You see there's a difference. One of my brothers noticed the difference. It was Jerry, the one who had passed. He said, there's something different about you. See, because you're in the midst of changing. But your wife ain't gonna want you to change. You should think you don't you gonna be better now. She don't want you to be better now. Your husband's not gonna want you to be better now. Your brothers and sisters don't want you better. That's human nature. It's like crabs in a bear. That's why God tells us to love one another and exhort one another, and esteem others more highly than we do ourselves. That's believing in God. When you start living in a way believing in God, people gonna say you're going crazy. They gonna start because they might not want to do it, but we're not warring against flesh and blood. We're warring against people that Satan could insert his spirit into them or come against them to where they say things. And just like Job's wife came to him and says, Curse God, they said, Well, you don't even sound like my wife. There's a problem with you. So these people, they, 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 they didn't realize following Jesus would improve their quality of life. They're the ones who hung him on a tree. Because they knew he wasn't the son of God. They didn't believe his word. But the other people were fearful and astonished when they see the works. They said, no other man can do these works. The man that was born blind, he said, do you want to be his disciple? He said, who had ever heard of anybody healing anybody that's born blind? So these people had faith to believe the miracles and works, but there are some, though you work work, that's why Jesus is not based on works, it's based on faith. Do you believe he's the Son of God? No matter a person could be married 30 or 40 years, they're not going to part on happy ways. They're going to hate one another. They could be rich and they could part with all kinds of millions of dollars between them, but they still going to have that hatred of one another in them. Because they're not fearing of God. That's a few that divide with an amicable divorce or split. Say, well, look, even the world have developed irreconcilable difference that we just don't get along together. So it's best that we be apart. I don't wish you no bad. You don't wish me no bad. It's a lot of people after they're married, they find out that they're better friends than they were before they were married. Because familiarity breeds contempt. Uh, we know no man after the flesh, Paul said, in the book of 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 14th through the 17th verse, for the love of Christ controls and compels us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he, he died for all so that all those who live would no longer live for themselves. Now, Peter says what Paul is saying is hard to understand which those that are unconverted or not very learned in the scriptures stumble with to their own destruction. But listen to what he's saying. If you actually believe that Christ died for all and that we all are dead in Christ, that we are new creations, we're new creatures, so we're not what we used to be. We're not what we used to be. We're not the same person because we're being created a spiritual man. Sure we have downfalls. So sure we fall. Sure we're not sinless. But watch those that cast unbelief and doubt upon you. But he says, going on to say, he says, We no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for their sake. So now, are you living for Christ? Is he first in everything in your life? Is that your belief system? That Jesus actually died for you, and if you start living for him by faith each day, that faith will be ever-increasing because you begin to trust God. You'll be in all kinds of situations. That's why people spin and, and step and leap out on faith because God's been working with them throughout their lives. It took him... 30-some years to get Abraham to that point to say, okay, I believe God. I'm just going to stab and kill Isaac right here. 
there's no way he could have told Sarah that. Sarah would have come up <laughs> with a plan just like she came up. Say, well, look, here's Hagar, my handmaid. Go in to her. No, sometimes you have to trust God. God could do exactly what he said. But God came in and says, I said, Sarah was going to have a child. And you laughed, Sarah. Sarah said, no, I didn't laugh. He said, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And now that's why his name is going to be Isaac, because you laughed at him. See, because some people don't believe in actually what you're saying because they don't have that walk in life to know. If you've been walking with Jesus and Jesus has been walking with you all these years and you're trusting in Jesus, you notice that your faith is no more in man, but it's in Jesus, it's in God. And that's what's happening with this nation. This, I don't have any confidence that this nation is going to pull it out. God's going to bring this about. God's going to, that's why you have to turn to God and and away from man. That there's no answer man has. And no form of government is going to save us. Only God's going to save us. He's the Savior of the world. He says, so from now on, we regard, this that this. No one, from a human point of view, we don't regard you according to worldly standards or values. Nobody. Nobody. You don't, because if they're new, a new creation, you don't understand, even though you're spiritual, you're not looking after the flesh because now I don't know about you. You're changing. He says, though we have known Christ from a human point of view, now we no longer know him in this way. We don't know him from that, that point of view. It wasn't until Jesus was resurrected that his brothers say, okay, James died for him. Judas and them, they're willing to die for him. Now they wrote Bible because now we know. But they was like Thomas. They had to see. You remember Thomas said, unless I see him and stick my hole in the nail scar, in that hole that, that those nails did, unless I... But he says, now blessed are you, Thomas, because he says, my Lord and God, he says, but more blessed are those who had not seen. you blessed because you've seen. His brothers and people that seen the resurrection, they were blessed. But he says, more blessed are those who had not seen and who believed. See, because they have a greater faith that Jesus is an actual man that came here and died for me. I actually believe that, and I'm willing to die for that. I'm going to uphold that doctrine, and he's going to give you more light. He's going to give you more occasion. You will be established. That's why Ahaz wasn't established, because he didn't believe. He didn't trust God. In that trust, that walk will get stronger and stronger. You'll find yourself fighting more battles and more stuff coming into your life. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, if you've been grafted in anyone, not just a Jew, if anyone, faith grafts you in. Anyone that is grafted in, that is joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he's a new creation, a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old thing, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. So though Mary Magdalene may have lived a spotted life, now she's a new individual. So she's no longer a harlot. She's a virgin in Christ. That's why Paul says, I wanted to present you as a chaste virgin. You can get that virginity back. That's what he's trying to do is purify you, purge away all of your sin. But if you're still resentful and grumpy and evil and hatred and all these characteristics you can tell a true tree by the fruit it's bearing that's why people are looking in everything because there's a discernment that God gives you and it's a certain energy God's people have the spirit give it life but if you dead you can't give nobody else life because nobody wants to follow a dead person Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. He's the God of the living, not of the dead. Okay, I had another version, the right to read to you in the living version. I don't know if I'm going to get bogged down in that or whatever, because I see it's going to take two teachers before I get way off on this. 
He said, the living reads, are we insane to say such things about ourselves? If so, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Whatever we do, it is certainly not for our own profit because Christ loves con- because Christ loves controls us now. Since we believe that Christ died for all of us, we should also believe that we have died to the old life we used to live. Do you actually, when you start believing that you did from that old life, now the old man is still in there, but you have to start believing in your mind. You have to be transformed and renewed, and that's why repentance is daily because those old habits and conducts and way of doing things, they're going to try to come back there, and people will come there and try to get on that last nerve to arise, awaken, or resurrect the old man. You must keep him put to death. That's something you have to do. You have to watch what you say. You have to watch what you do. And But the power of the Spirit can help you do that. That's why you ask God. You resist the devil. Humble yourself under God. And he'll give you greater grace to resist and overcome the wicked one. He says, He died for all of us so that, for, so that all who live having received eternal life from him might live no longer for themselves. So are what you're doing and what you're living for, is it for you or is it for the kingdom's sake? Is it for Christ's sake? Because that's why he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, in other words, whatever you pray or ask God to do in the name of Jesus, this is not to bring me glory. And that's what he says. We under the control of the love of God. So everything we do is for the glory of God. It's not from a self-centered point of view. It's not. That's not our motivation to be glorified. We want to glorify God in these things. He says, but to spend the rest of our life pleasing Christ who died for us and rose again. So all we want to do is, like that, we are men after God's own heart. Everything we do, whether we eat, sleep, drink, or whatever we do, we do all in the name of Jesus to give God glory in that, to give God the, 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 the preeminence in that. So stop evaluating Christians by what the world thinks about them or by what they seem to be like on the outside. Stop looking at that because that's not the only tale. That's not the only way you understand it. Because sometimes a book is not known by its cover. But if you're spiritual, God helps you judge that fruit. God, that's why I say you have to be totally dependent upon God and trusting in God. So this is not an easy matter. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, merely as a human being like myself. That's the way the Pharisees, that's the way his brothers had thought about him, that he was a mere human being. But he was not. Even though he was a man, he was spirit. He was the son of God. He was given the spirit beyond measure. Without me. So he was who he said he was. And you needed to believe that. So that's what you need to start doing. Believing Jesus Christ was the son of God. Believing him and you become spiritual. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be like him in his image and his likeness. And the way to do that is through preaching of the word. Teaching of the word. So... Uh, how differently I feel now, he says. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. New life has begun. So like I said, even Jesus' own brothers who lived with him day in and day out didn't believe him. It was almost unbelievable that someone living with God would not recognize or would not see him as God. But he was veiled. He was covered. So that's why God starts to uncovering himself. Can you see God? And you remember I told you, faith has eyes. You can see faith. And that's how he says, reveal us to Father. He says, you have not known me. So you can start seeing. God starts to let you. That's why I say to get a vision, you have to strain to get a vision. You have to be seeking and wondering after God. And he's going to reveal himself unto us. You, you, you have to, God's going to show himself. Only the pure in heart shall see God. 
But it says the pure in heart shall see God. Job says one day I'll stand before him. I shall see him for myself. In his body he said he was going to see God. Do you have that hope? Do you have that belief? Do you trust in his word that one day you'll see God? The flood is upon us. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except that come a falling away first, that man of sin be revealed. The living, I mean, the living version it reads, Let no one in any way deceive and trap you, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That is the great rebellion of the abandonment of the professed Christian faith. That is happening, you can see. The Republican Party is a great example of that. People that talk about conservatism and talk about religion and all this, and they're one of the largest bunch of hypocrites it is. But think of how many people are denouncing that party coming out and saying that they know what they're saying they are. In other words, their actions, their works are betraying them. See, they're saying one thing and doing another. Now, this is a physical representation. Not spiritual. The spiritual people can see because it's within both parties. It's within the whole nation. That's why if you read that 17th verse, only a few will remain as God shakes and destroys the nation. Only those that believe in God and trust God as their Savior and turn to Him will be left. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. The Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed. Uh, and that was the Amplified. The Living says, don't be carried away and deceived regardless of what they say. For that day will not come until two things happen. First, there will be a time of great rebellion against God. That's what I told you in the 17th chapter of Isaiah. The people had rebelled against God just like during the time of Moses. Just like now. The church have rebelled against God. They're the ones preaching. The, the saints ministers have been transformed into an angel of light. That's why, as you see it, the people, the many different nations, the different people that's going to come to God, it's going to be by faith and trusting in God. But those that are already in the church, those that are, are false professors and think, God breaking his judgment. God, you can see those things happening. That's why it says mock them, avoid them, and have nothing to do with it. Because God's judgment is falling. And those of us who can't see it, I'm not saying you'll be lost, but you may not be here to see God. Can you understand that? In other words, there are a lot of people of religion, of Christianity, that won't be of the ones that make it through. There's a group that's going to overcome, that's going to be alive and to see God, that's going to fight this battle. But there's going to be some in the battle that die along the way. In other words, go to sleep. There's going to be many come in the church. The church is going to grow. The power of God's going to grow. But there are going to be many along the way that, you know, that won't end up in the, they'll end up in God's church, but they won't continue. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a fight going on. According to how you studying and believing and working in God, you may live, like a like time my brother said, and I'll be telling him, well, I don't live till I'm about 80 or 90. Well, I'm planning on living that long, uh, either Jesus come back. That's what I always say. But there will be some that pass, my brothers, my sisters, my mother is gone. Well, I think she'll be in heaven. I think she'll see God. But I don't think that she was to be able to fight this fight. Some of your children might not could fight this fight, just like Job sure They couldn't fight that fight. He gave Job other children, but Job was still in the flesh here fighting. See, if some of us are not fighting a strong enough fight, you remember I told you, it's a lot of times a lot of people have to go. It's not that you, you didn't ran your course in life. As the obituary says, he fought a good fight. He kept the faith. But it just wasn't for you in the end time because 
the studying and the working and it, it caused more than you were able to do. See, just sitting around and just like I say, the people in this last day that watch stronger and vigilant in the Lord, this is going to call this calls for a whole lot. God's choosing the ones he chooses. That's why it says, because just think, Satan has people out there that are deceiving the world. And how many people in this party that don't see that the church has apostatized? When people come up to your name in the name of Jesus and doing this in Jesus' name, you don't see them for a fake or whatever. You don't see for what they are. You don't see the people around you. But they'll have this in common. They'll be believing the gospel. And that's why we have to keep preaching and teaching the gospel no matter what happens. That's the same thing Jesus did. That's a characteristic. Matthew 4 and 17, he says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Amplified Version says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Change your inner self. In other words, are you changing? Can people... See, because a lot of people believe in God but they're scared to change that other people limiting their change because that requires leaving them up behind you remember I told you pity loves company people come here with their pity party or whatever sometimes you have to go to a different height you're not supposed to be at that same level and people don't want you to go to that level so Sometimes, that's why I say God may cause a divorce. God may cause death and separation between them. I don't know what God's going to bring about because we don't, that's what's, in other words, when he says they didn't know Jesus, it didn't mean that they didn't know who he was, but they didn't have an intricate knowledge or understanding of him understanding and knowledge is something that grows and a lot of people can't apply themselves to it they for that level that's why it's different people with different talents that God gives people different talents and there's a place in the body of Christ that where you belong nobody else can hold that place that was created for you there's a purpose God called you for so that's why you see different drives and different people and everything and their belief is stronger is because God has something greater for them to do. As Peter walked by this man, he says he's seen that that man had faith to be healed. Would well, to rise up and walk take a lot of faith. But it didn't take the same faith that if Jesus came along and raised someone from the dead... It wasn't their faith that rose them from the dead, but it was on the account of God. But the woman that was healed, who had went all the dif- the different physicians and said, if I could just touch the... That's why he told her her faith had made her whole. It wasn't the miracle that it made her whole, but it was the faith that made her whole. So he rose Lazarus from the dead. It wasn't Lazarus faith that that rose him from the dead. Jesus called, he did a miracle. Some people believed in that miracle and believed Jesus after that miracle, but there were others still trying to kill Jesus and Lazarus because of that miracle. They didn't develop a faith in God saying the power of God what he can do. So sometimes the miracle of the work is to glorify God and it's not to instill faith in that person. Judgment sometimes glorify God, and that's why he's the judge. The judgment begins at the house of God. And by him judging Pharaoh and bringing the, this down upon Pharaoh, that glorified God. He got glory out of that. When God punishes the wicked, he gets glory. He doesn't get pleasure from it, but he gets the glory because it's happening according to his word. So that's why the devils that believe but don't have faith, it doesn't help them. You remember they came to him when he came and said, Jesus, the Son of God, have you come to torment us before the time? And he says, shut up, be quiet, hold your peace. And he cast them out of the swine, into the swine, and they ran down the hill and killed themselves. So it wasn't for their salvation, but they knew who Jesus Christ was. They knew he was the Son of God. So for what 
purpose God has you here. This last one I want to cover is believing the gospel. So when you begin to believe the gospel, believe the word of God, you can't stay stagnant. It creates a hunger in you, and you start repeating that gospel to everybody else, and you hunger to hear more and more of the word of God. When you come to church and you hear the word, you, you, you can't wait. That Sometimes you can't sleep that night or whatever. You want to hear what God said. You hinge it upon every word because that's your food. That's necessary to you. You understand that? That's why you're attentive to it because you know it's able to put marriage, able to put strength in your bones. It's able to energize you. If you believe in God, he says, by his stripes we were healed. When you actually start believing that, when you start believing Christ, nothing is impossible to you. You can start having those things you say. So if Christ is linked, he links repentance with the kingdom of God and believing the gospel, which requires faith, is which he gives us the faith to believe. Once one hears the true gospel and believes it, he begins to change the way he thinks. So is your thought pattern, is your mind changing? That's why it says, let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. When you develop it, you remember I told you, God has an interface where you meditate with, on him day and night, meditating in his word. What will he do? Asking him what to do to please him. He's in your every thought. But it says that's not unlike that for the ungodly man. God's not in all of their thoughts. But we should be bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ Jesus so that we can be led by the Spirit of God. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So that Spirit grows. The familiarity with that Spirit it grows and now you can determine what's the Spirit of God and what's not because you, you're beginning to have an intimacy with God through your fellowship. So that's why Peter, sometimes the more you're around a person, the more intimately you know that person. The more you talk with that person, the more that per- you, the closer you get to people, the more personal stuff they reveal to you about themselves, about their families, and other things. That's why I say when you can tell a person that's in prayer with God or whatever by the way he talks or speaks to God. So, uh, once the Ethiopian uh, eunuch heard Philip's explanation of the Bible, he changed the repentant and was baptized. Initial repentance includes recognition, acceptance, and belief of the truth of the gospel and making changes in one's life to conform to this new way. You stop lying. No matter what, when you're about to lie, say something that's a lie, you can't do it. In other words, I'm going to accept the consequences, but I'm not going to lie about this. I'm not going to cover it so that I've done this. It says lie not to one another. So why lie? You, you could be that sensitive so you even tell a small white lie, as they call it. A lie is a lie. In other words, you could start taking heed to what's coming in and out of your body because now your body is no longer yours. You can watch where your body go, what it do, the interactions with your body. Mark 1 and 5 and and. The true gospel is saying the appointed period of time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. In other words, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, and regret past sins. Live your way, your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life and believe with a deep abiding trust in the good news. So like I said, as you start believing and trusting in the word of God and what the gospel said, there's a purpose that he's going to reveal for your life. And you're going to see, start seeing that this is the word of God. That this is not just a doctrine that man had given me or that was preached to me. This actually is a living word of God. It's going to come alive. The conditions for entering God's kingdom are, are simple in concept. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from what you used to do. 
None, any of that old stuff, and it's going to start revealing to you what you shouldn't be doing. And you're going to speak it through other people and other sources of what's wrong. And if it's part of the Word of God, you need to cut it out of your life. Repent from it. Turn from it. Uh, to watch and keep. Uh, and I told you that was in, uh, yeah, I didn't went over that portion. So I'm going to stop right here. Believing and trusting and having faith in God, it's a work. It's business, and it's, it takes prayer. It takes applying yourself. It takes taking heed and doing and trusting God. Heavenly Father, we come before you this night, Lord God. Give us your thank you for giving us your word and your way, Father. 